0: All right, I believe we are live. Uh, we're using Jitsi today because we have uh, some special covert uh, operators on today. The Monero Research Lab. Uh, we're here with Brandon and Sarang. Is this basically the entire Monero Research Lab? Are there, are there others involved? What What is the extent <laughs> of the Monero Research Lab? It is, it is a
1: loosely organized work group, and there's plenty of people who hang out in the channel and collaborate with us, and we collaborate with them. Um, there's other folks who do research under like other work group names, like the nonsense lab. So nonsense, yeah.
2: nonsense sense. Nonsense
1: nonsense. I can they, never uh, I can so hard to pronounce.
0: Yeah, I can never spell to save my life. But no, we are not we're not the only folks who do research on Monero. But you, you guys are basically the the head of the research lab, I guess we could say it, right?
2: You guys are the ones kind of or I can, can, a totally, a like that. can a totally non-hierarchical organization have a head? <laughs> <laughs> it's That's really the question. Uh, yeah, Aaron and I, uh, excuse me, Sarang and I, um, we uh, uh, definitely do uh, the bulk of the work at MRL, but uh, we have a lot of people who contribute, and pretty much anybody can jump on and contribute at any time, right? So, like, one of the great things about Monero Research Lab is that every Monday we have our research meeting uh, that is totally public on FreeNode. and People can come in and they can harass us or heckle us. And uh, um, sometimes you get some really interesting research out of totally random corners of the internet. It's pretty great. Yeah. I encourage anybody who's
0: kind of just tuning in and getting familiar with Monero and uh, seeing the Monero, uh, uh, Monero research lab in person for the first time and hearing about this, I encourage you to watch, uh, I think it was one of the video videos that was done during the fifth anniversary where Fluffy Pony kind of went into – details of history of how everything started and he had some pretty good stories on how you guys got involved uh in, in the Monero research por- portion we don't need to get involved in, in that today it's, it's it's a good story though I would recommend uh, looking it up and watching one of those videos to kind of get the background there um but yeah thanks for coming on guys I know you guys are super busy especially with the Monero con coming up um, I appreciate you jumping on um and there seems to be a ton a ton of stuff coming out right now i don't know how much we can cover today but if we go over a little bit of it uh, i want to jump in to the three research papers that recently came out uh the ring C- ring ct papers uh so i don't know if you guys want to just go ahead and jump in and start talking about that um it seems like a whole lot of stuff hitting at the at the same time why is that by the way why why are we seeing these three papers
2: at the same time is it just coincidence because research is not constant. <laughs> and, and there's like a weird thing that happens where like research that's happening concurrently and sort of in parallel comes to a conclusion simultaneously, right? So like uh, the silly example is how calculus was invented. Leibniz and Newton both simultaneously invented calculus. But then there's also like other examples from evolution. Darwin and Wallace both sort of came up with their theory of evolution simultaneously. Thing is right now, we're going through a weird renaissance of cryptography. And last year there were so many, so many zero knowledge proofs that came out that were like linear in nature. It was really, really cool. This year's turning out to be pretty much the same.
1: I think what you're saying is that you're as good as Newton. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. Okay. I'll buy that. Clearly. But basically the idea is that kind of it's, there's long been this desire to have a transaction protocol that scales better. Because right now, you know, the way that that transactions tend to scale um, is that the larger your ring size and the larger your anonymity set of decoys that your own spends hide within, you know, the larger the overall signature and overall transaction get. So, you know, could we, you know, bump the ring size to a thousand? Technically, yes, but it would be basically unusable. Transactions would be huge. They would take forever to generate. They would take forever for the network to verify. So it would just, it would shut the whole damn thing down.
0: So I think two, in um, our current
2: implementation, we had a record of like a 1,400 ring. Uh, I think 1,400 is the like the record uh, in our current system.
1: Yeah, I mean, we used to, you know, we, it used to be that you could make a ring as big as you wanted to, but, you know, we decided to standardize on one that's, you know, frankly, like it's not terribly big. It's 11, um, you know, but we could adjust that over time as a network parameter. But anyway, kind of all concurrently, um, there were three separate papers that came out detailing a way to do, you know, essentially the thing that we're doing, which is, you know, build a transaction protocol that has like a fixed anonymity set. In our case, we often call the ring, right? Um, To be able to do that in a way where the signature size doesn't increase, you know, quite as badly with the size of the ring. You know, kind of like how when we talk about bulletproofs, we say that, you know, bulletproofs scale really well. And if you cram a bunch of bulletproofs together, they don't grow very fast. We kind of want to do a similar-ish thing. Um, one paper came out of Zcoin, uh, one of their researchers, who will be speaking at the Monero Conference. So hey, plug for that. Um, and that protocol was called Atlantis. Um, and that was that took some interesting ideas involving bulletproofs um, and some proof schemes that you know came out a while back that were originally, you know, kind of sort of used in, in some previous stuff that Zcoin had done. And it scales pretty well. So it's, I, mean, I will not go into the details of the scaling, but it scales pretty well. There's some limitations to its privacy um, and to its implementation, but you know, we're pretty sure that we have a way where if we really wanted to, it would be possible to kind of migrate Monero outputs over to this new format. And we, you know, we could have fairly big ring sizes in a way that you know, would scale better than they would if we just kind of bumped the ring size right now. So kind of concurrently with that, um, another paper, um, another preprint came out Um, by Tim Ruffing and some of his collaborators, you know, several people that he worked with too. These aren't just like the work of one individual, Um, called OmniRing, which will also be presented at the Monero Conferenza. So if you're nearby Denver, you should go. Um, And what makes OmniRing really interesting is that it essentially uses kind of the proving language that the Bulletproof's authors came up with and finds a way to express some of the the mathematical statements that you need for essentially a ring signature-based transaction in a bulletproofs type language. So the benefit of that is that you get a lot of the scaling benefits of bulletproofs and that in theory, you could kind of bump the ring size just absolutely astronomically large. And the signature, the transaction signature itself would not grow that fast, it grows incredibly slowly. There's still some limitations to how long it would take to verify such a thing. And that's kind of like, as far as we know, kind of an inherent universal limitation to the way that we're doing this. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the, the batching that we thought we'd be able to do, where you can take a bunch of transactions and just verify them all at the same time. Originally, it was thought that we could probably get that down to basically free on kind of a marginal basis. Turns out we can't quite do that, um, but it still it looks like for a lot of different ring sizes, it would be better than what we have now. So is pretty fantastic. And then concurrently with that, some other authors came out with a proposal that they called Ring CT 3.0, RCT 3. Um, And that sort of uses a similar approach to what OmniRing does, um, but it doesn't do it quite as efficiently. Um, And in particular, there's a lot more limitations to this RCT3 paper. And in particular, it's not compatible with the way that Monero does key images. So it is not at all clear how you could actually implement that within the current network. Um, And additionally, I don't think it would scale quite as well anyway. So for all practical purposes, there's kind of these two big new transaction schemes on the table. There's Volantis, which does have some limitations. Um, and then there's OmniRing, which, you know, has a different set of limitations. You know, as far as I know, OmniRing looks like it would be a better integration should we decide to move to it. And to be clear, like, we have no formal plans to move to anything at this point. But it's really interesting that we now have these options where previously the options were far more limiting um, and the scaling was not nearly as good.
0: So of all these three papers, uh, were, were they all kind of uh, developed with Monero in mind or... Not necessarily.
1: Not necessarily. Lelantis was developed by a Zcoin researcher in particular for Zcoin. Okay. Um, and as far as I know, Zcoin, and I'm not going to try to speak for them, but as far as I know, like, it is their goal to eventually migrate to because It removes a lot of limitations that Zcoin happens to have right now. Um, OmniRing was developed um, with Monero in mind. Um, there, there's ways to do it um, with the current Monero format um, that I think are slightly less efficient than kind of this more general scheme that they came up with. So it could be used elsewhere, but it was done with Monero in mind. Um, And as far as I know, although I haven't spoken to the authors about this, the RCT3 paper was also done with Monero or a Monero-like system in mind. Um, But again, it's not directly compatible with the way that we currently compute key images.
0: And have any of these people who contributed to any of these papers, have they contributed to Monero at all in the past, whether through research or uh cryptography development or
2: so one of the interesting things is that ring ct 3.0 the version that uh sarang was just describing um is by one of the original authors of the ring signature scheme that monero had used for years uh professor lu I, I believe lu wei and wong were all three uh represented us either uh on the on the publication list um so uh what's what's interesting is these guys have have contributed either directly or indirectly to our project before and in fact when ring ct2 came out uh the words for monero cryptocurrency was in the title of the paper so that was kind of interesting um uh but one thing that uh uh yeah sorry go ahead i'm done no this,
0: this, this is good so
2: um will those guys be at the conference too the the ring uh, ct3 guys uh, no, unfortunately, we're not going to be having any representation from the Ring CT three okay. folks. But we are having Lilantis and OmniRing represented, um, which is uh, it's it's cool that all those papers came out right before the conference.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting to be able to have them there.
0: So, so what 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 should we make of all this? I mean, so I mean now it's just now it's just kind of it has to all be digested, and determinations will be made whether or not any of it is actually applicable to Monero.
2: Well, one of the interesting things about all three of these papers is that sublinear ring signatures have been around for a while. Um, the actual construction of making a signature that uh, describes uh, N different parties take up less space than N slots of space. Um, that's like been an active area of research for a while. And I believe Dan Bonet came up with a scheme that was like lattice-based. Um, there's, there's been a lot of work in the area. Um, what's Uh, great about all of this is that we're finally getting to the point where the verification times per key are small enough so that we can actually reasonably consider implementing it sometime over the next couple of years. Because previous schemes that have already existed, uh, they were just too slow. So right now, uh, what we're doing is we're looking into the various implementation challenges into all three of these different protocols. I believe that Serang started writing a document comparing uh, what migration might look like. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: it's, you know, it's worth noting that, you know, the Lelantis paper came out, Um, the Zcoin folks, as far as I know, do have like a test implementation. Um, It's not public at this point, but they intend to make it public. Um, OmniRing has, you know, has not been worked up into any kind of formal, you know, formal code at this point. Um, the timing code that they did was, was, you know, more or less a, you know, a reasonably good estimate. So a lot of it depends on exactly how one would go about implementing it.
0: It'd be a lot. Okay, it's exciting. Uh, any, anything else we could say about these three papers? I don't, I don't even know where to, it's like... It's an embarrassment, of, it's an embarrassment of riches. It's, a, it's quite overwhelming. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, before we had no way of doing this, you know, then there were a couple of schemes that came out that were kind of initial forays into this. I mean, like right. Brandon said, you know, like they weren't quite there in terms of speed and, and some other
0: properties that we wanted,
1: you know, and now we have things that are fairly reasonable and I like that.
0: Okay. And you recently, I guess you put out a new proposal for your, your latest round of funding. Is that, is that, is, is that out right right now? I know you, I saw the the summary of what you recently had done and, Yes.
1: I am not to toot my own horn a lot. So I'll only toot my own horn a little bit. And that, yes, my quarter my three funding, because um, like I am funded full time to work on Monero research and development by the community.
0: Um, and that is open right now. Yes. All right, I encourage anyone that has a little spare Monero to uh, to send it on over for any Monero research-related activities. Uh, certainly an important component of the Monero community, if not the most important component. Um, so you want? To, should we move on to the next topic? I know you guys are are limited on time, and what do you think? Should we anything else to say about the three papers?
2: Um, I think that we covered it all.
0: Okay. Uh, the Microsoft zk snarks. Do you guys have you guys looked at that at all? Is that something that's? I mean, that sounds like kind of an amazing uh, technological breakthrough that nobody saw or coming, right? I mean, that
1: was that was a surprise. Yeah, they okay. called uh, they called that scheme Spartan. He's got to have a cool name for it,
0: and is that something that Monero potentially uh, at least learn from?
1: <clears throat> I have, I have, like, I have views on this. I guess I don't know if they're shared by everybody, but you know, I think there's, I think there's a very broad and like reasonably so misunderstanding of like about the nature of what like a proving system is. You know, like you often hear like, oh, when is so and so project going to like move to snarks or something? And I don't really like statements like that because I think they don't really tell the full story of what that means. So something like Spartan or something like the snark constructions that are used in assets like Zcash, what they are is like they're general proving uh, systems, which is to say like they basically give you a language to prove statements in zero knowledge, but you have to provide your own statement. So these are like general toolkits um, and you need to be able to build in, to with those toolkits, you know, an efficient transaction protocol that like does the things you want to do. And right now, you know, the reason that we don't use you know such a transaction protocol previously, the only way to kind of build something that was a nice compact zero knowledge proving system was to have things like these trusted setups, you know, that everyone knows about with things like Zcash. And I think you know we're starting to move toward much better scaling the scaling on the on spartan is still not as good as for example what zcash is using it's good like it's really good but it's not you know it's not quite there and on top of that like monero does not have you know a snark efficient transaction protocol the way a transaction protocol works is using Z- using these very specific building blocks and some of these are things that we're going to talk about later like you know ring signatures and things like that um, but just simply kind of taking that and trying to translate it over into this general circuit language is probably going to be very inefficient. So,
2: an you know. interesting way of looking at uh, the way the work that has been done with like the generalized proving systems is okay. So, like let me give you here's a silly example: is like the bulletproof range proof system, right? This is what Monero implemented last year after Benedict Boons and Dan Bonick came up with the bulletproof system.
1: <clears throat>
2: it proves a statement like this value that I'm not going to show you, this value lies in the set from zero to two to the n. It might be 17, it might be 185, you don't know, but it's going to be in this set. And so how do you go about actually proving that? One way that you can do it is you have to like, lay out very specifically in a language what you're trying to state. And this is what Sarong was mentioning in terms of having a language or a statement to be proven. So one of the things that you might prove is the following thing is a sequence of bits, right? So you need to prove that each element in that sequence is either a zero or a one. And so when you combine all of these things together, if you want to describe a binary decomposition of a number like 137, you need to know that the things that are going into it are just bits, zero and one, that you're not getting some weird, strange number included in there. So if you if you lay out everything, all the requirements very, very precisely for all of these different transactions, what you end up with is an entire language. And so Spartan is cool because it is this generalized proving system. So it's sort of like a the ability to prove arbitrary statements. But if we want to prove a specific statement about a specific sequence of bits, then we need to come up with that language ourselves. And so uh, unlike RingCT3 or OmniRing or Lelantis, which all sort of come with this transaction structure attached to it, um, Spartan is this sort of like just completely general mathematical structure that you can use to do a lot of different things. Um, Monero is one application. but you could do multi party computation. You could do a bunch of different stuff with Spartan, ranging like from casinos to like secure communication. So um I'm not so sure exactly how useful it'll be in Monero. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I hit all the important points, Sarang. Do you have any other comments to add?
1: No, just like it's very cool. It's very, very cool. Um but you know, to do what we want to do, you know, would require significant overhaul. And even if we did all of that significant overhaul, it's not clear if what we would end up with is still, you know, as as fast and as small as we would want. So, so my, if anything- my gut, my gut feeling is not quite.
0: Okay. So if anything, maybe we would see it in some kind of new coin that's built to, to kind of utilize it. Is that, if you, if you had exactly. a hypothesis?
1: You no, know, it's, it's very unclear. I mean, for example, you know, the, effectively the circuit that, uh zcash uses in their protocol you know where again they use a different snark construction is Mm. extremely large like extremely large but because they get such excellent scaling you know they're able to do that very quickly and very small if you were to take something like that and just you know basically do it in spartan you'd end up with something that you know while scales well scales not nearly as well as what they have now
0: well without the trust setup
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, you're getting rid of the trusted setup, which is fantastic, but you know, you're paying for it with, with worse scaling than
0: what is currently like the state of the art. Okay. And so you have any opinions on on what it means or um, anything to say about the fact that it came out of Microsoft? Is that, is that something that we can, that we should be happy about? Is that, I mean, what, what was your reaction to that? You know, I mean, I
1: know, I know some folks at Microsoft and I know the Microsoft research does a lot of really interesting things. And I guess this goes to show that maybe they don't really tell you about it until they're done. So, you know, good for them.
2: Of all the different Microsoft researchers I've spoken with over the years, you know, I've kind of gotten the sense that they have a lot of academic freedom and that they can study what they want. Um, I mean, otherwise, they would go start their own company and then Microsoft would have to be competing with them. Right. And so, you know, the, the Microsoft is strongly incentivized to let people do what they want and do like a hands off research thing. And that's generally true of a lot of the really, really large tech companies. Um, but you got to keep incentives in mind and you got to get people's motivations uh, sort of like firmly rooted in your point of view before you start making decisions. Um, Personally, you know, if we read through Spartan and we find mistakes, I'm not going to be assigning malice. I'll be assigning, uh, um, what's the other one? Oh, yeah. Incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) That looks like a cool construction, though. Very excited.
0: So I guess it's just something that I guess uh, we'll keep an eye on and see how it's, uh, if it's ever kind of used in the uh, crypto coin community. Well, not necessarily even that, but, you
1: know, it's. This, this is an area of research that's been ongoing, right? The ability to efficiently prove general statements and zero knowledge and, you know, research builds on itself hugely. So, you know, I mean, OmniRing built off of the language for bulletproofs and, you know, Spartan builds off of some earlier work as well and puts it together in cool ways. So, you know, whatever comes next might have, you know, scaling that's
0: even better than this. So yeah. So I mean, that's a good question. So in reading it, did it, did it kind of expand your mind in any new ways Did it kind of open up any new, any new thoughts of, uh, of where things can go uh, did it i mean i if I, are you saying like
1: can i see the way to scale it better like no, no, no. i mean that it kind of was not it, <laughs> no, wasn't, but, but I, but it was something what I did that notice, what i did notice is that you know it's taking some other some early building blocks and it's putting them together in really interesting new ways and kind of adding some stuff on top of it involving things like computation commitments that are really cool and So I guess like I I can you can read it and the way that they wrote it was really good because you can kind of see where they were coming from, which is always neat to be able to kind of like get the sense that maybe you're seeing into the researcher's mind and figuring out like where they were coming from, which I feel like in a lot of research, you don't ever see that, you know, you just see the final product as if it just kind of like came spilling out of the person's mind all at
0: once, which is like never the way it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brandon, what do you think about that? Did you have any new insights as you read it? Is it?
2: Oh, Did it open uh, up
0: new uh, channels into the into the universe?
2: Uh, no, the way that research tends to go for me is I tend to read through something and not really understand it, and then I think about it for a couple of days, and then something clicks. And then something I read about that's totally separate, disconnected, makes sense in a different light. Um, but no, there were no eureka moments jumping out of the bathtub and figuring out how to weigh the king's crown or... Vo- measure the volume of the king's crown no there without, not-
1: without revealing the volume though you got to do zero knowledge
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah zero knowledge measurement of the king's crown yeah. I, I, this is going to be a, t- a title for a paper or something it's going to be great
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's see let's move on to uh, we. <clears throat> so much so much to talk about the C slags and D slags another almost C L sag and D okay, totally all right, sorry. Although I, I like, I, do I, like, like it, slack. I kind of like it the other way only for presentation purposes. We don't
1: have a good way to say it. I've so, just been saying what, like SILSAG and DILSAG, so what, but that just sounds really bad.
0: What does that stand for?
2: <laughs> right, Brandon, go <laughs> for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the LSAG in all the signatures are linkable spontaneous anonymous group signatures. L S A G Linkable Spontaneous Anonymous Group. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, when ring CT was first developed by Shen uh, Noether, who is also a contributor to Monero Research Lab, once upon a time, uh, that d- construction used um, multi-layered linkable spontaneous anonymous group signatures, so they were ML SAGs, uh, and now we're just going with it. And so, um, let's see here, DL SAG. I'll let uh, Sereng explain. The CL SAG signature scheme is basically realizing that had this extra layering that was unnecessary um, uh, in the ML-SAG scheme and sort of like squashed it all down. Um, what's interesting is I think we saved 15 or 20% on our verification time and we saved 20, 25% on space or something along those lines. So basically the Monero blockchain is going to be faster to verify and it's not going to grow as, as quickly. Um, so there's going to be a practical impact a year from now that you'll be able to measure. Well, actually, I should say a year from implementation because we haven't started auditing yet um, and we're not going to push the code until we audit it. But a year after this implementation, we're going to be able to see this nice curve where it's like, oh, the Monero blockchain has grown so fast and then, oh, it just flattens out for a while and it's going to be a really, really beautiful day to see that graph. That's, that's, that's great. So how
0: long has that been in the works? And, and
2: so this was obviously
0: built with Monero in mind,
2: is it, right? Oh yes. I mean, this is, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, one of the Monero contributors random run, uh, he noticed that our signatures were just larger than they needed to be. And when we started working on proving that the reduction um, was still secure, we realized that this construction is so small that you can do stupid stuff like colored coins with it, right, and, and actually make a two col- two color monero blockchain that's smaller than the present one color monero blockchain you know stuff like that so it was it was an interesting um uh uh it was an interesting realization that random run had that we could make the signature so small uh and it's been in the works for i guess like about three months now or four months. would you say that's about right sorry I'm looking it up okay now I'm really curious March sixteenth was when the uh First posting on it came out, suggesting it. Yeah, so between March 16th and June 10th, we proved the scheme secure. We realized there was an application in colored coin technology, whatever that means. And we wrote our paper and uh, pushed it out the door. So that's pretty cool. And I'll hand it over to Sarang for talking about the DL SAGs. Yeah,
1: so so CL SAGs are basically kind of a drop-in replacement to the way that our ring signatures work right now, which is really nice. I mean that, that's not to say that there isn't you know coding involved um, I mean code is being worked on we have prototyping code used for analysis and we have time and code to look at you know what the time uh, generation and verification time are going to be um, so that's kind of almost finished and ready to be audited um, but dlsag SAG, I don't know whatever you want to say um, it kind of takes yeah it's, it's a whole new direction so yeah so there are some other other contributors um, to the paper including Pedro um, Moreno-Sanchez and then Random Run and some other folks who were interested in trying to build some more expressiveness into the Monero transaction structure than we have right now. So right now there's a lot that you can't do because you know, Monero doesn't have like scripting, for example. So you can't do a non-interactive refund transaction. It doesn't work. You know, it's really hard to do things like certain kinds of swaps and to do payment channel networks because the building blocks just aren't quite there. They're fairly easy easy to do in some other, you know, transparent blockchain-based systems because you have a lot more expressiveness. So the idea behind DLSag was to take the current Monero output structure and kind of make a little branch out of it and say that, you know, instead of just sending funds to one place, I'll send funds conditionally to one place and conditionally to some other place. And, you know, can I do that in such a way that, You know, you can't pull any tomfoolery involving double spending and things like that, which is surprisingly tricky to get right. And it turns out that if you build this structure, build this new signature scheme, um, you know, construct new key images in a different way and be really careful about it, then you can get all sorts of really interesting constructions and applications on top of that. And that includes things like non-interactive refund transactions, which are surprisingly tricky, um, certain types of atomic swaps. But don't read too much into that. There's a whole lot of restrictions on it. Um, and certain kinds of payment channel networks as well. So you can do certain kinds of conditional payments, um, you know, payment channel networks, again, atomic swaps in certain ways. So how about, about like
0: lightning network? Does this get us closer to potentially it, it gets, or it gets, nothing to
1: do? It gets us closer toward that. I don't want to say that that is even close to being solved right now. But, you know, there were there were big limitations, kind of like fundamental plumbing level limitations where we could previously just say, no, that's not going to work right now. Um, This is one option toward doing it. So like everything else, there's always some horrifying catch to it. And right now the horrifying catch is that like this new key image signature format is constructed in a very specific way to let us do very, very specific things. And it turns out that it's gonna require, if we were to do it, and again, no formal plans to move to this, it's research only right now, that if we were to move to this, um, you'd have to basically do kind of built-in churning into the protocol in order to ensure that a sender couldn't later trace certain things about funds, which is not good. You don't want that. So for kind of peer-to-peer transactions, that's a big deal. Um, For off-chain transactions, it may not be as big of a deal to have to do that, even though it would slow things down a bit. So there's trade-offs. We're still trying to work through it. You know, This is by no means a solved problem, but it's really interesting because this is the first time that we've had a construction that let us potentially overcome some of these big plumbing level
2: limitations. Doug, you asked if uh, these sort of uh, developments can start leading towards the Lightning Network, and honestly, there's probably in total—well, I don't want to number them, but like, like Serang said, there's these plumbing level problems that stand between us and the Lightning Network. But um, to be very, very precise, the DLSAG construction is was designed to overcome one of those obstacles. So it's not just that, like. It coincidentally, the goal is the Lightning Network, but that's what motivated the research in the first place, and that's where this construction was invented. Um, was from that perspective, trying to get Lightning-style off-chain payments working in Monero. That's awesome. Sounds
0: promising. Um, yeah. so, so, and then who was involved in that? Who were the uh, the parties involved?
1: Oh gosh, there were several people involved. <laughs> Um I haven't actually spoken to all of them. So everyone's very very distributed. Um Pedro Moreno Sanchez was on there. Um he's he's kind of collaborated informally with us before on some ideas. Um Random Run was also another
2: one on there and there were several other authors. Yeah. Uh Pedro Moreno Sanchez at TU Vienna uh, along with one of the other authors uh, authors um uh uh oh I forget his name. Uh but yeah, we yeah, I was, I I don't know. I'm looking it all up. I hate when I don't know the names of authors. Yeah, Uh, it's an international collaboration. We have, uh, yeah, so we have some folks uh, in America, some folks over in Vienna, Austria, and um, we also have Random Run, whose location is not to be revealed. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, (laughs) This is also, by the way, available as a preprint. So, and to be very clear, preprints are not peer reviewed. So this has not been peer reviewed. It's been submitted to conference proceedings, but the preprint itself, much like CLSEG, it's not been reviewed.
2: And one of the things that's really great about that, and this is like the complete, most open source part of all of this is like, if somebody breaks it, it, it like we would love it if somebody just downloaded these papers, saw a flaw in the problem and then or saw a flaw in the schemes and then just sent a description of the problem to us. It'd be really, really fantastic if we got to that point before we tried to publish this through peer review. Um, so, you know, I mean, we strongly encourage people go through our papers and look for flaws. So is, is that the, ne- is that the next step now it's auditing
0: is what's the, uh, so, so for CLSAG? you know, that's, again, that's more or less
1: a drop in replacement, you know, with some additional changes. So, um, you know, if we would, we would love for folks to, you know, give us, you know, excellent peer review just because they're interested in it, but there's no guarantee of that happening with the preprint. Um, it's not exactly clear, you know, if we were to submit this for peer review where it would go. Um, there's a lot of, you know, every journal and proceedings kind of has their own scope, And a lot of those, you know, don't necessarily like very, very project specific types of construction. So it may be more worthwhile just to get both the math and the implementation audited. So that's our goal right now is to to basically solicit auditors, you know, get this stuff audited, ensure the crypto is in fact solid, that all the proofs are solid, that the implementation that's currently being worked on is solid. And at that point, then, you know, we can make kind of a much more informed decision about deployment.
0: So not, not likely that we would see it implemented in the next Monero upgrade, right? I mean, that would be very
1: like from, 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 from a code perspective, it could probably be done. You know, does that mean we want to rush the audits? No, that's not a good idea at all. Right. You know, again, it's much like Bulletproofs, right? You know, we, we'd love to get it out as fast as possible, but we want to do it fast and safe. So, you know, that, that has a fairly well understood timeline to it once we get the auditing done. Um, you know, mean, DLSAG, involves a lot of changes that have a lot of other implications and that would have to be much more thoroughly analyzed and reviewed before we could make an informed decision about it. That's a big change. CLSAG is a fairly minor change once it's proved to be correct.
0: Are we seeing any pushback by any community members? Is there any is there is there anything controversial yet about it or is it uh, it's too early to be controversial?
1: Audits cost money, you know? That's that's basically the thing. It's I I mean besides that, you know it's like, I will say that like CL SAG, while it's, you know, it's clever, is not like, you know, monumentally clever. It's, it's something that you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, why didn't we see that before? Well, cause maybe we weren't clever enough at the time. Um, but, you know, it's, I guess there's not a lot not to like about it. You get signatures that are smaller and faster, you know, picking two, that's great.
2: Yeah. I think uh, an enormous number of the Monero community, which could all be one person, right? Um, I think a lot of people in the Monero community really support audits. And and I, it makes me happy because it's like the safe way to go. Um, this is coming off the heels of the Monero origin story, which is so filled with non-audited code that comes from such sketchy sources that moving forward with it um, without, you know, being extremely careful every time you take a step, it's it's just it, it, reckless. So, you know, one of the things that I'm very proud of is being a member of a community who's willing to step up and contribute to audits instead of just going live with it. Um, there's there's, there's definitely, you know, I have a lot of respect for the WoW Nero people and the Dogecoin people and like the notion of just like, oh yeah, move fast and break stuff. It's like those guys over there, the Monero guys, they'll, they'll be the ones who like, you know, um, they're a little bit more responsible but you know when wow are you uh or wow nero anyway um when yeah when when they start talking about <laughs> when they post their memes and stuff of uh you know driving headlong into a brick wall i have a lot of respect for that but at monero we don't want to do it that way and i like that
0: yeah, yeah, no, I didn't mean controversy with the auditing, pro- you know, the the idea of auditing. Obviously, I mean, I think that's essential in in what we're doing here, right? If there's there's no way we could proceed otherwise. I just meant if, if people are already kind of nitpicking and seeing, uh, kind of the you know weighing the pros versus the cons, and if there are any any obvious cons that come with implementing it or that hasn't been revealed you know, yet, if there are any,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the the only con is that you know it's. It's a new thing that we're not doing right now. Right. You know, there's, there's always some risk when you move to something new, which is why, you know, in, in this case, I really like it because like, it's, it, is a, it is a fairly straightforward change to make. We just want to be really, really sure that, you know, and again, like we have formal security definitions for this. We have formal security proofs, which, you know, to be fair, are very, very subtle and very easy to get wrong. So we'd like to make sure that even though it is straightforward, that it is done correctly and formally.
0: How about uh, random do You guys have any opinions on that? Uh, that seems to be moving at a breakneck pace. Uh, audits are already coming back in. Yeah, I
1: mean, I'll be, and I'll be honest—like, I am in no way a hardware engineer, and you know, I'm in no way an expert enough to be able to weigh in on you know this particular approach. I'm very glad that it is being audited. You know, it's—I think it is understood that the auditing process in this is inherently limited. You know, it's—it it's, was well understood that you know the best way to do this is hire experts to build specialized hardware to do random X and like see what the cost is and see what the efficiency is. So we're really not gonna do that because that would be very, very time intensive and very, very money intensive. And you know, it still doesn't provide a guarantee. So, I mean, I, I, I in theory like the idea and I like how we're going about it. And you know, I hope that it provides the goals that we're looking for, but I'm not nearly an expert enough to be able to say if it
2: will. I've always really loved the idea behind RandomX and the notion of randomly generating some computation that's in a verifiable way. Um, I, I look forward to seeing how the audits go. Uh, if RandomX does anything even close to what we hope it does, um, then it will be uh, pushed forward in the right direction. Um, but as far as that goes, I also am not a hardware engineer and I do not necessarily have any particular comments about it.
0: All right. Um, yeah, guys. So I guess, uh, I'll see you in Denver.
2: Yeah. This,
1: yeah. Brandon, is... tell us. tell us more, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with the um, Monero conference? I keep hearing about
2: so How did, how the did very... this conference come about by the way? How did it,
0: uh, what was the, the genesis of the Monero con?
2: Well, I feel like as a researcher, there's like a couple of branches of how a researcher can contribute to his community. And one of those branches is like, obviously the research. And then another one is education. another one is like outreach and and serving your community. And um, I feel like uh, hosting the conference and getting it put together, bringing all the minds of all the people who want to contribute, into a single place, so that their minds can all just do this nice, you know, uh, mind meld, uh, Vulcan mind meld, and everybody can like learn from each other and argue with each other in person. Um, it's it's part of this really really great scientific tradition. So uh, last year I had this idea, you know, Monero should have a conference, and there's all these Bitcoin conferences and like even the worst shit coins out there have a conference. And so let's have a Monero conference. We have the community members who are willing to, uh, contribute to it. We have sponsors. Um, and so, uh, started putting everything together June 22nd and 23rd, which is like 12 days from now. Um, we're going to have everybody in Denver together. And it's, it's not, it's not. Boston or New York, it's not LA um, or Silicon Valley, it's like Denver, which is a really, really fantastic place. And um, I'm super happy to have people flying out from all over the world. We're having an intercontinental panel on government regulation and privacy. We're gonna be talking with Eric Voorhees from Shapeshift. We're gonna be having Jack Gavigan from Zcash. We're gonna be having uh, Jerry Brito and Peter Van Valkenburg from Coin Center. Uh, We have like a totally packed schedule. And the tickets are super cheap and we're getting partial rebates to students. So if you are interested in coming to the Conferenzo in Denver um, and you're a student and you have a .edu email address, you can probably come for free. Um, all you need to do is is uh, pony up the money just to buy the ticket and you'll get the money back at the door. I mean, it's it's a pretty great thing. And actually, I have to thank Sarang for... Uh, coming up with that idea of doing the partial rebate for the student tickets, I, I, I
1: the reason that I suggested that is because until very recently I was also a poor student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. Now I'm not a student uh, anymore, so you
2: got to give back, right? So uh, yeah, we're going to be have we're going to be talking pools and mining, and we're going to be talking about uh, new signature schemes. We're going to have the Omni Ring, uh, one of the Omni Ring authors. We're going to have the Lelantis, uh developer and author out there. I mean, it's just going to be a good time, and anybody who checks our schedule, just go to MoneroCon.com, except the con has a K in it, Monero Conferenco with a K, because it's Esperanto, because that's what Monero is. <laughs> and you can get your tickets, and um, hopefully we'll see you in Denver. Uh, Monero Talk's even hosting like a house party down the street from the venue. It's like a five-minute Uber away from the venue. Um, hopefully that does not interfere with the panel that we were planning the next morning very (laughs) early but uh hopefully the panelists can you know
0: yeah we 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 decided to move the party to saturday by the way i think i think you're aware of that right yeah
2: Yeah. you mentioned that so saturday night june 22nd right yes yeah yeah yeah. saturday night june 22nd and yeah
0: and, uh, we, we will also give a discount to uh, to students as well. Uh, we were looking to charge $25, but hopefully we can make it free depending on, you know, if we, if we get sponsors, but just to cover our co- costs, 25 bucks. But yeah, the idea is to just get everybody from the conference uh, in one room together uh, in in a more abstract form. So kind of uh, keep the brainstorming going, but uh, with, you know some 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 additional uh, chemicals to to assist in the in, in the brainstorming and uh, enjoy, me- <laughs> the, enjoy the breweries of downtown Denver, yeah, right? Exactly.
1: Now Brandon, I was wondering, is this kind of like a State of the Union style thing where you know in case like the venue collapses that you know, someone's you, gonna have to someone's gonna be like have to participate from like an off site
2: location. You know, I have thought about that, at least for the house party. Uh I think for the conference <laughs> it's maybe a little overkill, but for the house party, <laughs> i I think uh the introverts can stay at home and we'll all be okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, uh so yeah. Anyway, it's gonna be a great time. I really, really hope that people come out and uh, can and can learn a little bit about Monero and the community. Cause we have so many great speakers and so many people who contribute. Um,
1: you have tons of great speakers and you also have me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll see you at the conference. Not if I see you first. <laughs> exactly. And Brent, you live in Denver, right? You're, that's your, uh, I live in the greater Denver area. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we, we selected it this year is it's just easier to program a conference uh, where you live. Beautiful,
0: yeah, no, we're we're super excited about it. i would never been more excited to go to a conference before. Um, I think it's going to be amazing.
2: Even Magical Crypto Friends, because that was this, a pretty great conference.
0: No, even this this surpasses Magical Crypto Friends. Uh, wow, yeah, wow. Pure Monero. Thank so, you. Well, actually, I, I shouldn't say that. Right, Zcash is also kind of partially involved here.
2: Uh, well, yes and no. Um, so the Zcash Foundation contributed to the Monero conference uh, uh, funding. Uh, Round, but they contributed as a Monero community member. They didn't ask for sponsorship or anything along those lines. So despite the fact that we're doing an intercontinental panel with Zcon one, and despite the fact that the Zcash Foundation helped make the Monero Conferenzo happen, um, they're just uh, uh, philanthropic bystanders when it comes to the Conferenzo. So um, it's it's pretty great. Uh, I really wanted more Zcash speakers to come out um, uh, because Despite the very deep rifts between our two communities, the goal is to make permissionless money that is private. And so, I, I wanted I wanted folks from the Zcash community to participate, but of course they scheduled their conference on the same weekend. So, of course, we're going to do the next best thing and just do a panel.
1: To be very clear, that like that coincidental timing was in fact coincidental.
2: Yeah, it was totally coincidental. No one
1: is trying to upstage anybody else. I want to make that very clear.
2: Uh, well again we're assuming not we're not assuming malice from the start right so anyway All right guys um I think that I think
0: that wraps it up we covered quite a bit within less than an hour uh super excited for the Monero con see you guys there Yeah a yeah,
2: really good time absolutely. Thank you. Doug for having us on and uh, for all you listeners out there, go to conference.money and you can get tickets to the Monero Conferenza. You still have tickets left? I'm surprised. How, is it a, yeah, we still got tickets left. Okay. Uh, you know, according to the magical crypto guys, they sold like 60% of their tickets in the last two weeks. So um, if that's, if that's even remotely close to true, then we're on good. We're on a good track.
0: Awesome. So, awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for everything you guys
2: do. All right. All right. Have a good one.